Baseball, hot dogs, apple pie, and freedom always remind us of America. But as the 4th of July approaches, we wonder what happened to the godly foundation of America. Did the Founding Fathers really instill biblical principles into our government? They believed in a divine pattern, a divine creator, and they believed in a divine book. This is Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal. I'm Chris O'Brien with the Institute for Creation Research. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. These famous words from the Declaration of Independence have been a bulwark in American society since its inception. Great men like George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, John Adams, and Samuel Adams helped to found this country on biblical principles. However, through the years, evolution and atheistic thinking have steered us off the course of our biblical foundation. But just how far have we deviated from the original intent of the Founding Fathers? Join us for the next 15 minutes as we discuss creation and the Constitution and see what happened in America that changed the way our founding documents are viewed. Dr. David Gibbs, Jr. is founder and president of the Christian Law Association. He says early leaders in America had a strong faith in God. The simple fact is there's no question when you read the writings, and especially the handwritten writings of the Founding Fathers, no one interpreted what they said. It was their words. They believed in God, and they believed that they were going to be answerable to God for the steps that they took. They believed that life was a privilege and that life was a gift from God, and that men, women, boys, and girls would give an answer to God in eternity for that which they would do in this life. Not only did the Founding Fathers believe in the God of the Bible, but they also took a stand against evolution. David Barton is a historian and founder and president of Wall Builders, an educational ministry in Alito, Texas. Evolution had been around 2,500 years before Darwin. Evolution had been introduced 500 years before Christ was born. There were countless writings on creation evolution across time. Uh, Aristotle, Plato, others take very clear positions before the time of Christ. And so the Founding Fathers dealt with the issue of creation evolution. It was not a new issue. They took very strong positions on why evolution was wrong scientifically and why creation was right scientifically. Dr. Gibbs. In our founding documents, both the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution of the United States, they refer to the fact of a creator and of nature's God and of all the things that come by creation. They never believed that this was a cosmic accident, that we were simply on a cosmic scale of uncontrollable forces that had no beginning, no end, and that simply were answerable to no one. They believed in a divine pattern, a divine creator, and they believed in a divine book. That's why the Bible was present. In the time when they would be writing, the Bible was the source to which was the most oft-quoted, and the Bible was what they alluded, the patterns by which our governments were established under. David Barton. The Founding Fathers, as creationists, look to a simple guidebook that tells them about creation, and that is the Scriptures. And by the way, if you back up to the previous document before the Constitution, you find them set forth a very important legal phrase, and that is that they acknowledge that they have the right to become a nation because of what they call the laws of nature and of nature's God. What are these laws of nature that are mentioned in the Declaration of Independence? Let me read a clause out of the legal book of the day that was used in the writing of the Declaration and the Constitution. 
This law book came out in 1766. It says, Man, considered as a creature, must necessarily be subject to the laws of his creator, for he's entirely a dependent being. Consequently, as man depends absolutely upon his maker for everything, it is necessary that he should in all points conform to his maker's will. This will of his maker is called the law of nature. So there's the law of nature right out of the Declaration of the Constitution. It's the will of God. And because America's law of nature is based on the scriptures, it differs from similar phrases in other countries. Now, there's a European law of nature, which is totally different. The Enlightenment law of nature uh, says very simply, the law of nature is what should come natural to all people. Well, that's very licentious. It, it changes with time, and that's why France has gone through 15 governments in the same period of time we've had one. So just how influential was the Bible in the writing of the Constitution of the United States? David Barton. Political science professors studied the Constitution to see where the founders got their ideas. They collected 15,000 writings and said, if we can see who the founders quote, we'll know where they got their ideas. In those 15,000 writings, they found 3,154 direct quotes. The most frequently quoted source was the Bible. 34% of all political quotes came out of the Bible. The second most frequently quoted source was four times lower. The third source was four times lower. The fourth source was 12 times lower. So in other words, the number one most quoted source in the writing of the Constitution is the Bible. What are some examples of biblical influence in the Constitution? The separation of powers came out of Jeremiah 17.9. You find the three branches of government in Isaiah 33.22. Tax exemptions for churches, you'll find in Ezra 7.24. And the founders gave us that when no other nation was doing that. It's amazing how much of the Bible is directly embedded in that document. And today people are unaware of that. So when we talk about the Constitution and the belief of these creationist founding fathers, their belief was God is the superior. He has a right to tell us how to do it. And to the best of our human knowledge, we're going to apply what he's told us. So with God and the Bible being so instrumental in our founding documents, why is there such effort by a small minority to remove them from society today? Dr. Gibbs points to man's vanity as a reason. All of the creators of the Constitution were men who believed in a God of creation, a God that was in control, the God of the Bible. And it was later as we began to loft our own minds and our own thinking and say, we do not have to be answerable to God. And then we started questioning whether there even was a God. And evolution fits this end in itself. I'm just my own. My life is my own. I don't have to give an account to anybody. And suddenly, without a creator, suddenly we became a vain people. David Barton agrees that evolution played a large part in bringing the nation down. When the Origin of Species came out in 1859, it made a big splash because it was supposedly the latest science. Well, it was just a collection of previous thoughts. It was just kind of like a regurgitation of what people had said previously. But here we've come to a crisis with the origin of species, and the church says, oh my gosh, it looks like science has disproved the Bible. What do we do? This is terrible. We don't know what to do. And this caused a rift between evangelical and fundamental Christians. And the evangelicals essentially said, you know, we just don't know what the Bible does with science, and it really doesn't matter because we just think that what we need to do is save souls and bring people to Christ. The other group said, no, the Bible is the basis of all life, and science is going to prove that Darwin is wrong. This is just what he's saying now, but we know better than that. And so they said that since the Bible is fundamental to all life, they became known as the fundamentalist. And this division led to a withdrawal of Christian influence in society. Well, at that point, we have pulled a lot of Christian thinking and a lot of Christian leadership out of a number of arenas. 
that attrition continued, and by the time we get into the 1920s and 30s, uh, we actually are telling kids that if they want to do something good for God, be a missionary or a pastor, but don't go into science, don't go into law or medicine or politics or government or all these different areas. Many people today are confused about the issue of separation of church and state. And although 77% of the nation believes that phrase is written in the Constitution, it's not. David Barton. The only religion clauses in the Constitution relating to that area are in the First Amendment where it says Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. What does this mean? James Madison in the records of Congress, August the 9th, 1789, said, look, what we don't want is we don't want in America what we had in Great Britain. We don't want the federal government making us one national denomination. We don't want to all be Catholics or Anglicans or whatever the government says. And that's why it says Congress shall make no law respecting that establishment. Congress can't set up a national denomination like Great Britain had. So that's a concept of separation church and state. Now, it does not separate religion or faith from public life or government, but it does say the government can't run the church. It doesn't even say the church has a state of government. But sadly, liberal Supreme Court justices have changed the meaning of the First Amendment. In 1947, they said it was time to evolve the First Amendment. And that's where they announced that the First Amendment now means separation church and state. It doesn't say that, but we're now going to keep that wall up. And, of course, the wall keeps both parties apart. Instead of the First Amendment, which says keep the government out of the church, the wall says, oh, by the way, keep the church, keep religion, keep faith, keep Christians out of government. That's an evolved standard of the First Amendment. And this is not what the Founding Fathers wanted. It has nothing to do with what it was originally designed to do. It was originally designed to keep the government from establishing a national denomination. But now, in 1947, they introduced that separation phrase, which, by the way, they lifted out of context from a Thomas Jefferson letter dated uh, January the 1st, 1802, in which he told the Baptists that they weren't going to have to worry about the government stopping their religious activities because there's a wall of separation. So Jefferson says, hey, this wall of separation keeps the government from stopping your religious expressions. Well, guess what? Now that wall causes the government to stop religious expressions, exactly the opposite of what Thomas Jefferson says. In recent years, it's gotten even worse. We finally get to 1992, which is the last time they evolved the First Amendment through what they now call the psychological coercion test. They said, you know, we realize that 93% of Americans believe in God and 6.5% and don't, and we don't think that's fair for the 6.5%. So if you are in the minority in this category and you're offended by what the majority does, you just let us know and we'll make them stop. We call it the constitutional right not to be offended. And this is why we've recently seen the Pledge of Allegiance and prayers at graduation ceremonies come under such attack. Dr. Gibbs. There has been undertaken in the last 35 years what I can only describe as a massive assault against the freedom of faith in America. We have gone from where things which everyone said undisputedly in America will always have the privilege to do into the name of our faith where today those matters are contested greatly. And we must, as every generation, be careful not to lose the heritage of freedoms. We have our freedoms as Christians today because our forefathers carefully preserved them and handed them to us. If our children and grandchildren are to have them, if the Lord tarries his coming, we must be careful to protect that heritage for them. That heritage is also a heritage of faith. When our forefathers made the decision to gain their independence from the English crown. It was, with all due respect, an impossibility. It was a fledgling, nothing, resourceless nation. 
and they were going against the most mighty power on earth, the English Commonwealth. There was no way humanly possible that it could take place. But they believed that the resolve in their heart and their favor with God would make the difference. They were not fools. They were not men who beguiled and tricked themselves into thinking they could do it in their own. They believed that it would take God and it would take a resolve in them, a willingness to pay the price if America was to be founded. They paid that price. They indeed, when they said, we pledge ourselves, our lives, our sacred honors, and our fortunes, they put every bit of that online. And it was because of that resolve and their faith in God that we have this great nation today we call America. Thank you for joining us on today's broadcast about creation and the Constitution and America's foundation. This program was no doubt an eye-opener to many people. If you'd like to hear it again or any of our other past broadcasts, just tune into our website at www.icr.org. Thanks for listening. You know, most people aren't aware that today there are thousands of scientists that are convinced of the truth of biblical creation and not evolution. Our non-denominational ministry aims to restore and strengthen the Genesis foundations of the Christian faith. If you've enjoyed today's edition of Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal, why not visit us on the web to find out more about the work of ICR. The address is www.icr.org. Again, www.icr.org. Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal, is a production of ICR. For the Institute for Creation Research, I'm Chris O'Brien. Thanks for tuning in.